0: coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground.
1: So, is the police above the law? I know the police not below the law.
2: When a police officer pulls a black person over, they start immediately thinking that they're in danger.
1: I think they had the gentleman subdued in a certain way, and it's like, that was enough. You could have cuffed him, put him in the back seat of the car, and did whatever you needed to do, but I think he got beat, Bill. Or what? Why did he get beat?
0: There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with
1: racial
2: issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against.
0: There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're
2: not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in.
0: Republicans. And Democrats. But a lot of times, when it comes to
1: race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't
2: always understand. A
1: part of what we have to do
2: is listen
1: to each other, find the common ground and question, not questioning you like you're in
2: a witness stand,
1: but questioning you for a better understanding.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for today. Thank you for safe travels throughout the state as I travel about in this wet, rainy weather. We ask that uh, you watch over Odell and his family, keep him safe, keep my family safe. And Lord, tomorrow I have some uh, pretty significant meetings uh, for the Youth Resilience Summit in Raleigh with some influential people. And we ask for blessings on that, that your will may be done and things that you want us to do, you open those doors and make it abundantly clear that's what you want. Amen.
1: And Father God, we just continue to join in with my friend Bill on our understanding of sending the heavenly angels before us to Raleigh so that. What needs to be done can be done. What doors need to be opened, you can open them. And the doors that need to be closed, you can close them. So God, we just thank you for your grace and mercy and all that we're trying to do. And all the doors that you're opening up with Common Ground and all the doors that you're closing Common Ground. God, thank you for the people who are not quite yet ready to have these tough conversations with people in their circles, but they're still willing to listen to what we say, God. And understand that what we're trying to do is find an understanding. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Adele, how you doing, buddy? You know, I'm doing pretty good, Bill, but you know, it's
1: it's interesting when you hear about this Tyree Nichols situation, and I know you're familiar with it. Here we are, an unarmed Black man, Memphis, Tennessee, driving while Black, pulled over by law enforcement, and out of this car. So that's that's a that's a very familiar story. However, is a twist to it. Usually when you hear about that, it's a black male driver. Law enforcement is usually white, but in this case it was five. One, two, three, four, five black male officers who It appears from the camera across the street that was a body camera that they beat this guy so bad that three days later, Bill, in the hospital, he died. And now it appears that the EMS uh, who came on the scene has been let go for not rendering aid. So when you think about driving while black. Even though it's not a crime, Bill it can still be a death sentence. So that's what's on my mind.
2: Yeah. I, I heard, heard it on the news and I go, Oh my gosh, here we go again. Another, another incident like this. And, you know, the thing that, that really shocked me is the the, the death of an innocent person, human being just being beaten to death. Um, and then, then you start thinking about, okay, you, you, there were five people, no one, no one stepped in and said, Hey, this isn't good. And then the EMT shows up and they don't intervene and say, this is, this is wrong. I mean, nobody stepped in that space to say, Hey, this ain't right. We shouldn't be doing this or we need to get him to the hospital right away. You know? And uh, so I don't know what the dynamics were of that group, uh, but they disbanded uh, the scorpion group. I think it was called but it certainly must have had a, a culture of uh, of being outside the law and uh, to do whatever they wanted.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. You and I both, at least I can speak for me and I'll you'll speak for you, but none of us are for defunding the police. That's not what I believe in. I think I, I do
2: think that's right.
1: So we're not anti-police, we're not defund police, any of that. And when we talk about this is not all police officers, all law enforcement, all sheriffs, all EMTs. No, we're not talking about all. We're talking about some. And what's usually said at this time, well, it's a small amount of individuals, a few bad apples that make everyone look bad. Well, Bill, I think to your point, that in, that incident in Memphis that caused the man his life, it looked like all the apples that showed up. Not that they were good or bad, but their behavior. We're talking about one's behavior and what happened and how all that works. And more troubling for years, I've been saying, and I believe it still, that one of the problems we were having that we didn't have enough black law enforcement officers in the black community who understood the culture of the black community so it might be a better situation. Well, this one incident is kind of blew that theory all apart. So you had five individuals. To your point, five individuals, part of, to my understanding, a special crime unit called the Scorpions. And they, whatever the guy did, I did. They beat him and they beat him and beat him. And some people might say, well, Odell, if he didn't run from the police, then he must have anything to to hide because he ran from the police. I say he was trying to run for his life. I think he probably better than anybody else understood that his life was at stake. And the truth of the matter, Bill, he was right.
2: Well, you don't know if the Scorpion group had that reputation of being brutal in their area. And uh, he could have recognized the fact that he was being pulled over and gotten scared. I don't, you don't know. It's going to, you know, thank God there was a camera on a telephone pole that they could show this because, you know, body cam showed it after they were caught and then they exposed it. The thing I will say is that the Memphis uh, public officials definitely stepped up and did the right thing quickly and uh, without any uh, hesitation and uh, fire the folks and then let the legal system take it from there. But, you know, it's you wonder how many more of these there are out there that's going to happen.
1: Well, it's going to be like the Me Too movement, in my opinion. Many people are going to say, wait a minute, if the scorpion's behavior was such, then people are going to say, no, that's that happened to me. Or Somebody gonna say, yeah, that happened to me. Let me tell you what happened to me. One of the things, Bill, is to your point that since leadership at Memphis got involved, I think the peaceful protests that we're seeing now is good. And I think the fact that the the officers were fired, charged and fired. No, none of this. Well, administrative leave until we can see what's going on. I think that helped a lot. But as a black man, I was very happy to see that it was peaceful protests against law enforcement, whether law enforcement were white or black. Because what we can't get into is saying, well, if it's a white police officer, then we're gonna turn the city upside down. But if it's black police officers, then we're not gonna do that. And because that's not, you know, everyone's looking. If the issue is law enforcement over abuse of power or abusing power at times, then law enforcement is law enforcement. But let us reiterate again that we are 100% behind law enforcement. And I understand when I talk to some law enforcement officers or ex-law enforcement officers, Bill, they're afraid. They're afraid. They said, Odell, you don't understand. It's, It's like a war out there, it's a jungle. But Bill, that was in Memphis, Tennessee that is predominantly a black city. Do you think that would have happened in Nashville, Tennessee with a white driver, and these five individuals would pull a white driver out of the car and beat him like that.
2: Probably not. Probably not. I think uh, I think what would happen is, uh, you know, I think we had some bad apples, and uh, I don't think you can make a broad brush stroke with all police officers from these five bad apples. Uh, we had a couple up in Minnesota that killed Floyd, uh, and we had a number of other ones. Uh, so we've got this in our society, and uh, we have to just root it out and get rid of it. And uh, the, it has to be such that when someone's pulled over, they don't fear for their life, because that that doesn't help. And you know, like this past week uh, weekend, there were four four murders in Greensboro, little old Greensboro. There were four people got murdered, um, and there's a shootout. <clears throat> I was talking to somebody. Uh, that's involved in the school systems and they said uh, there's fights there's gangs in the school there's fights almost every day um, you know the, the uh, police officer that's in the school has to be uh, take control and and help you know stop those things you know gosh darn when i was growing up you know we had a fight every now and then but it wasn't like gangs or or anything uh it was basically a bunch of Teenagers not acting right. And I went to an all boys Catholic school. So there are still fights there. Uh, they didn't last long, but uh, anyhow, what say well, you? No, no.
1: Well, well, I think you make a good point though. It's a different time. And I talk to people and they're like, oh, they don't have any outlets, you know, the shooting and everything else. But back to the police and and to the point is, you have a lot of people putting their lives on the line every day to help in a situation. Years ago when um, law enforcement was going into schools, I was like, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. Well, I want to be man enough to say, Odell, you had your concerns way back when they first started you know, the officers, but now I think that officers should be in school. Now, The whole idea of the protests and the follow-up and all these things, Bill, it makes a difference how things are handled because at one time, um, much what we heard was the officer said, I was in fear for my life. So since I was in fear for my life, that was almost like that shield. And I remember a situation in my hometown in Charleston, South Carolina, where the individual got shot in the back. And the officer's like, well, I was a fear for my life, but someone took cameras and reported everything. And it showed that the individual was running away from him and he shot him in his back X amount of times and killed him. The whole idea of cameras being everywhere is really changing the dynamics of what you talked about earlier. And when we were in Nashville, Tennessee, Nashville is different. Nashville, Nashville is not predominantly a black town. And I think that when you look at, Law enforcement, do law enforcement look at African-American males as a predator or do they look at African-American males in such a way where the culture or the code is, well, we're going to treat them all a certain way. So that that must be something because, Bill, when I looked at it, this young man was not a big guy, you know, now I don't know what happened because I wasn't there, but he didn't look like he was a big guy. And from some body cam footage, it looked like he was trying to cooperate to a certain degree, but he was asking certain questions, what, what's going on? And I think he has a right to ask, and maybe some would say, well, no, you don't have a right to question the police. So is the police above the law? I know the police is not below the law, but is they above the law? And I think of stuff like this, you know, let's just say I'm over to your house and we're just hanging out for a while and it's six, seven, eight o'clock in the evening and it's dark outside and I leave your house. And I start driving home, and I'm tired trying to get home. But I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm leaving your house, very affluent neighborhood. I'm driving while black. I'll see a yellow. I see lights, green, turning to yellow. And normally I'll run that light because, you know, you can run a yellow and you're okay. But then I won't certain times because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to hurry, but I'm not going to give a police officer, reason to stop me. And you're like, Odell, are you paranoid? I'm not paranoid. But those are the things that I think about that you may or may not think about. And I understand that certain areas I try not to ride in certain times of night because I know I'll get stopped. And when I get stopped, I understand how that experience is going to be. Now, is that something that's right or fair? That's trying to stay alive, my friend. That's trying to stay alive.
2: Well, you know, um, and, and I I I appreciate what you just said that uh, you have that in the back of your mind that uh, if you get pulled over, no telling what's going to happen. But do the police, whether they're white or black, unintentionally profile? And what I mean by that is. The shootings that happened in Greensboro this week were all black on black, and 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 so does it. When a police officer pulls a black person over, they start immediately thinking that they're in danger. Now, I'm not saying that was the case in 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 what happened in Memphis because they just they just kept beating this per kid, Uh, but I think there's there's probably some anxiety. First off, I think there's anxiety period when a police officer pulls over somebody. It's anxiety on your side if you're the one getting pulled. And uh it's also on an the anxiety of the police officer cuz he's approaching a car, he doesn't know if you have a gun. Uh he doesn't know if you're going to try and run him over. Uh, I mean th- there cuz that happens. I mean it's we, you, we see it in the news. So police officers are in a tough position when they pull a car over. Uh and And they're usually a single police officer. They used to have two in the car. And I remember when I was younger, if you got pulled, the second cop got out and was in the back corner of the right-hand side, the passenger side, the back corner of the trunk. And he had his hand on his gun. Wow. The other one approached the door and talked to you. So, uh, and he was in a position (coughs) that you couldn't see him, the one with the gun. Uh, But now there's only a single officer in the car. And they, got, they approach and they're wondering if they're going to get shot at because they're approaching in a very uh, not a defensive position. They're just approaching the car to ask for your, you know, your, your driver's license and your registration. And uh, how many times have people been pulled a gun on while they're doing that?
1: I agree with you. I think that it, it is nothing. You don't hear a lot about. Law enforcement getting hurt, and law enforcement get hurt every day. You don't hear a lot about law enforcement being assaulted, trying to do their job. Law enforcement get assaulted every day. You're absolutely correct, and I agree with you 100%. So that should be part of the discussion. In addition to that is the whole idea that these five Black officers, if they weren't in uniform, they may or might have had the experience of driving while black and getting pulled over. And then once they got pulled over, someone like, oh, 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 I didn't know it was you, or oh, it's okay. Because I've gotten pulled over before, Bill, and I've gotten a warning. And I'm like, oh man, that was great. But I've gotten stopped before too and got a ticket that would, my mind was unjust. I'm very careful when I drive to Charleston, South Carolina late at night and go through these little small towns, very careful. And I will plan my trip that I'm not going through these little small towns one and two, three in the morning, because I believe that time law enforcement, if they're out there, they're sitting out there, not a lot of action, not a lot to do And Here I come cruising through. So I try to plan my trips to these small little, um, I don't wanna say backwater towns, that's not fair, but these small little towns in rural South Carolina, rural North Carolina, And I try to go through at a time when eight, nine, 10 at the latest, but I don't try to go through there at 12 or one o'clock in the morning because I don't want to deal with all the stuff associated with it. What's your thoughts?
2: Well, you know, I've driven through some of those small towns in Virginia and uh, you know, there's nothing but speed traps in some of them. The, uh, I, I I remember, um, going through Virginia and, um, and seeing the speed traps uh, set up, particularly where the speed limit drops, and uh, clearly it's an income producer for the small town or small community uh, that they give speeding tickets. But on the same token, uh, they can pull the wrong person over, and that person, whether white or black, uh, could pull a gun and uh, and and shoot the officer. Uh, so <clears throat> I think it's it's very difficult for uh, being a police officer today. And I think uh it's one of those things that people get burnt out on after they've seen so much violence, see me so much uh drama, and uh and I think police officers get burnt out. And uh I don't know if there's the case in the with these folks that it doesn't justify what they did one one bit. <clears throat> but they I, I suspect police officers go through post-traumatic stress, just like a military person does, because they see so many horrible things and are involved in them, people calling them names and all that stuff.
1: Well, you're right. And I don't think they're not immune to it. They're humans. They're humans. And I agree with you 100%. So just think about it. Here it is. Let's just say, and we don't want to sit here and be psychoanalytical, but let's just say for sake of the conversation, that here it is. The gentleman that got stopped in any situation, they're afraid, you know, because when that blue light hits you, whether you're white, black, green, or yellow, I just think it's some sense of anxiety that happens. And the law enforcement officer who stops you, to your point, walking up to the car with with his or her gun drawn, they're afraid. So you have a very intense situation where individuals are very concerned and quite possibly both individuals have a weapon and none of the individuals are immune to the fact that, hey, I got to be careful because I don't know what's going on. So that's, that's just a dynamic that's like, wow, man, anything can happen there. So we get that. But when we go back and revisit what happened in Memphis, that wasn't the situation because I think they had the gentleman subdued in a certain way. And it's like, that was enough. You could have cuffed him, put him in the back seat of the car and did whatever you needed to do. But I think he got beat, Bill, for what? Why did he get beat? What was the anger in those five officers? And I'm sure I didn't look at the video that closely that all five beat him, or it might've been a couple. But what was that anger all about? What did he do to unleash that rage that people just beat him like he was subhuman. And I think that's the part. Did they see him as a human or did they see him as someone they can beat and it's okay? And then when EMS came there and EMS creed is to help save lives, they're like, well, okay. So now the culture went from the law enforcement officers, excuse me, to EMS who's there to help and nobody rendered aid, I don't believe. But one video showed that they did kind of drag him and lead him back up on the car. So here he is saying, I have been stopped by those who said they're there to protect and serve. And I'm almost losing my life on a street corner. It was no proof there except for it was a camera on a street pole across from the incident that picked up the motion. So if it wasn't for the camera bill, what do you think the story might've been? Because I wanna say that the report went in like, well, we had a situation of an uh, incident. No one said what really happened. And I think that's the culture of we do what we do. This is how we need to do it. Like one guy told me, said, hey, Odell, when I was a police officer, we were, I believe we believed in roughing people up and let them know we were the police. Now we didn't go this far, But, you know, hey, we're going to let them know we are the police. We are taking charge. We're coming in using whatever language we need to use, whatever tone of voice. And I agree with all that. I don't think the police need to show up and say, excuse me, would you mind? No, none of that, none of that. However, I think that when you beat someone the way this person is beaten, I think that's beyond the bounds, world, in my opinion. Now, I believe that if deadly force is presented, you respond back with deadly force or if you think it's going to be presented because like they say, I'd rather be uh, judged by 12 than carried by six. I get all that too. I believe in the Second Amendment. I get all of that. However, what happened or what it appears that happened in Memphis, Tennessee, uh uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. I, I can't make that fit in that argument at all, Bill. Maybe you can. I can't make that fit.
2: Well, do you think this is going to happen again?
1: I do. I do. I, I I do. I think that it's going to happen again. And the black community, we're wrestling with the fact that it was black males who understand the significance of being a black man in America driving while black. Now, I don't know, but if I was a betting man and I'm not, I would bet out of those five individuals, they have experienced what it is or people close to them who they care about experience what it is to be a black man driving in America when you get pulled over and you assume the assumption is you're innocent. I mean you're guilty before innocent and the assumption is this person in this car may have the potential to take my life if you are law enforcement and you stop a black man. Now to your point in the community we live in five or six shootings this week all black males killed by black males. I think, Bill, that people kill people who they know. I think white people kill white people, black people kill black people, black people kill white people, white people kill black people. I think that we have a culture in this country where anger turns to violence, violence turned to doing whatever, and it's not all mass shooting per se, But it's a lot that's going under the radar that don't make the evening news, but makes the local news all around the country. So I still believe guns don't kill people. People kill people. But we do have a whole lot of guns in America, Bill. A whole lot of guns in America.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of guns. Uh, I'm a gun owner. You're a gun owner. Um, I uh, have concealed carry uh, for protection of my family and me. Uh, I've never used it. In that way, and hope I never have to. Uh, but uh, with all the craziness that's going around, you know, you have to be in a position to protect your, you and yourself and your family. So here, let's say uh the, the fella that got pulled over that got beaten. Uh, what happened if he had a gun in the car and he had a concealed carry?
1: That's a good point. Don't know. Don't know. But do you think Bill like me? I think law enforcement have a high degree of accountability than an individual. And let me explain. If I'm law enforcement and I have a badge because that badge gives one so much more rights than the average citizen, legal rights, legal protection, all this kind of good stuff. And five, not one, not two, not three, not four, with five individuals against one individual. I think in any other scenario, if it was a competition, one would say that wasn't fair. Five on one is not equal. So now the justice part of this is the fact that, you know, you have the civil lawsuit that's probably coming and you have the criminal charges that's already been filed. You have attorney Ben Crump who is, you know, I'm not gonna say a friend of mine. I've met him before and talked with him and very impressed with him. But he's, he's one of the best at this. He's one of the best. And I'm so glad that he's on the case because usually you see him on the case when it's white officers killing a black man. It's great that he's on the same case saying the same things when it's black officers killed a black man. And I, I, I'm proud of the fact that that's the way it is, Bill, because I believe that's the way it should be. And again, I'm not anti-police. I'm not defund the police. I believe in law enforcement. I support law enforcement, all of that. But at the same time, we have to look at what's going on because something seriously is going on in this country with law enforcement.
2: How do we fix it?
1: I don't know. I don't know. That's, see, that's the issue. I don't know. But someone knows because the key is, is it law enforcement? Is it the communities? And it's almost like the community is in some form of mental, to your your point, you said post-traumatic stress syndrome. If I'm living in a community where quite frankly, individuals are getting killed frequently, that's enough to really make me think about things. That's like a war zone. However, I grew up in a community like that and poverty doesn't make one a a criminal. It's a lot of people who live in poverty who do not resort to crime. And much like some would say in law enforcement, well, we have a few bad apples that make all of us look bad. I agree with that, but maybe it was more than a few in Memphis during that situation. But also being poor doesn't make you a criminal and being a law enforcement officer don't make you a bad apple. So to your point is, I think the, the, the silent code, whether it's in the community where uh, snitches get stitches or the silent code, where there's a law enforcement where the blue line and nobody don't talk. I think both of those is a place where we can start, Bill. Not that we can fix it there, but I think that's a place of conversation because that camera, whether the cameras in the community to witness a crime is not a snitch, is telling the truth. But that same camera, when law enforcement crossed the lines that they did in Memphis, it's not uh, someone talking against the blue line, it's, 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 it picked up what happened. So the camera allowed us to know the truth in all instances, whether it's in the community, black on black crime to your point, or it's when law enforcement got a problem, so that's um, protecting the blue. It's the camera, it's the camera, because I believe if it wasn't for the camera, we wouldn't have known what really happened in Memphis. And I know in certain communities, nobody doesn't talk. And when you don't talk, then how can the community get better? You know, How can we say it's one or two individuals who's terrorizing the community, Bill, but it's not the whole community? everyone who's poor is not a criminal
2: yeah uh you know i think how you stop it is uh you know dory's involved in these community connectors which the police department put together that brought a group of volunteers into the high crime areas uh and uh the title one schools and uh where kids are are you know where you know they don't they don't people don't grow up hating they learn it and uh so I think you got to start breaking that cycle early. And I'm talking third or fourth grade. And I think also as adults, we have to find common ground.
1: Well, explain, Bill. Go a little deeper in the cycle. What's the cycle that you're referring to for the listening audience, please?
2: The cycle is, um, you know, if, if you're taught to hate, you're going you're gonna to probably hate. Uh, we've had people on the podcast that were, you know, the son of the number one white supremacist, and he he was taught to hate Jews, blacks, and Christians, Catholics. Uh, but as he got older, he met people and it changed his mind because, like you say, it's hard to hate face to face.
1: Well, it's hard to hate up close. Now, Bill, help a brother out. I understand people hating black folks. I got that. That's that's something that I grew up with. I understand people hating Jewish folks. I've I've heard that much of my life. I haven't heard the Catholic thing as much. I've heard it, but help me. What's all that behind? Why would folks hate Catholics, Bill?
2: I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know why they hate blacks or or Jews, but, uh, you know, people hate each other. You know, uh, where I grew up in Parma, there was uh, ethnic hate. Uh, By that, I mean, Serbs hated uh, Croatians and Croatians hated Serbs. And there were gunfights and they would have festivals and there'd be fights and and that's all white people against white people so um you know the the uh white supremacists they they teach hate but so do some conservatives but they just they don't do it the same way they're not as out in your face hate is something you can hide you don't have to show it and so you can keep that but still hate and uh And nobody will notice except some of the deeds you do that only you know that you're going to do hate. And, uh, so I think, you know, it's something that is taught and I think no one has figured out the formula yet. It's a social ill. It's been going on around since Cain and Abel. It's not, you know, brother against brother. So it's part of our original sin. I think that, uh, that we have, uh, we're sinners and, uh, we have to accept that and try and figure out the best you can to uh, find common ground with somebody that's different than you. And when you do that, you start realizing that, wow, my original thought wasn't as firm as I thought it was. I see another side and the other side is pretty good. Uh, it's not that I should hate the person. So I think finding common ground is, is the key to some of this. And I know it's easier said than done. Uh, took you and I a while to get that going, and uh, now we've got a podcast with it, and and other things. We're going to be on TV February 9th. Did you know that Fox News?
1: I didn't know when when the show was. Um, Aaron, Bill, can you uh, explain to the audience what we're talking about now that the good-looking black guy and Bill's <laughs> going to be on TV now? What's that all about?
2: Well, uh, it's it's an honor of Black History, correct? And um, so. Um, they do a series called black and white for Fox news and we were on it. Oh, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And, uh, so they have a new, uh, lady, Jordan, I think her name is, and she did, came in, uh, they shot some video and they interviewed us. So <clears throat> we're going to be on that show. And, uh, it's interesting. They probably took a half hour of video. So they're going to cut it down to about what, four minutes. And, uh,
1: so, no, I think it's longer than that. I think the show is longer than that, but it's it's interesting to your point of the footage that they take and everything that goes into it. And it's interesting. And also I heard a rumor, I had a rumor that hey, we may be having a new sponsor, Bill. What's that all about?
2: Yeah, yeah. We we're uh we're we're testing out uh my pillow, is it, or Mr. Pillow? Better get my it. Right. I better get All it right. right. I better get it right. <laughs> My pillow. And uh, so they, what they've asked us to do is uh, test their products out and see if we like them. And then if we like them, then uh, then we'll endorse their products. And then we're also talking to Omaha Steaks, Legal Seafood. Uh, there's a couple other ones that are coming around. So our agency in Atlanta has really stepped up and, and provided that for us. And the other thing we're going to be doing is... We're going to start being uh, little video clippets to uh, send people to the podcast platform, probably do it on YouTube and some other video uh, platforms, you know, maybe a minute of, of uh, a cut of a show. So I'm excited about that in 2023.
1: A lot's going on, my friend. Yeah. So Bill, we talked about hate. We talked about law enforcement. And you talked about in your hometown, how certain segment of white people um didn't like another segment bill when you hear the term self-hate what usually comes to your mind
2: Hmm, it's a good question i guess you know self-hate means that uh you really don't like yourself and you're not happy and boy that'll tear you up if if you're not happy and you hate yourself and And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody goes around saying, boy, I really hate myself. You know, people may not like the way they look, but they don't hate themselves over it. They're like, like I'd like to have more hair, but I don't hate myself on it.
1: (laughs) I would like to have my afro back also. But, you know, when you think about it, these police officers were beating, kicking, stomping, violating this young man because they could Mm -hmm. because they were in a more superior position not that they were any better or worse than him but because he could and when you look at the surrounding bill that neighborhood was not uh public housing that neighborhood and they said he was a couple yards away 500 or so or whatever yards away from his mother's home where he was living that neighborhood was in my opinion the houses that was in the background was a middle class neighborhood wow. so it wasn't like in my opinion and i might have it wrong it wasn't like this guy was somewhere you know but they had this they had the power they had the authority And they utilized it. And it's almost like the kids in the playground. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm the bully. So since I'm the bully, I'm going to take your lunch money. Since I'm the bully, I'm going to take your lunch. Since I'm the bully, I'm going to give you a wedgie. Since I'm the bully, I'm going to do whatever I have to be. And you said something we were talking on the TV show. You said, Odell, in my opinion, those individuals and in law enforcement acted like a gang what did you
2: mean by that bill? Well they they did they 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 uh, I don't know if they said let's get them let's take them out let's kill them I don't know what the communication was but they didn't have to communicate they all knew their role like a game you know I, I think how we had to, how to end this show is let's pray for our nation that there be some healing on this Issue of uh police officers uh killing innocent people or even people shooting each other, like the five shootings we had this weekend in Greensboro. And or or Bill,
1: people killing innocent police officers just trying to go to work, earn a living to feed their family, and come home. So amen. Amen. I know this is not where you're going, but we support law enforcement. Amen. Farming ground, we support law enforcement. We do not believe in defunding police. But we, we support the everyday person also that they can go and provide for their family. So, to your point, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. And the fact that we do need prayer and the Black community, the white community, the Hispanic community, we, we all need prayer. Because if you think about it, some of the shootings we had this month of January was in the Asian community. And my understanding, those who perpetrated those shooters shootings were of Asian descent. I might have that wrong. And if well, I do, they forgive me, yeah. everything else. So it's almost like, why are we killing each other? Why are we killing each other, Bill? What's going on to make us kill each other? And back to what I said earlier, a lot of times people kill those who they're in close proximity with. Every Mm -hmm. now and then, someone will drive across the country and say, I'm going to go from Texas to New York and kill a bunch of black people. That's happened before. Or I'm going to go here to do that. Or I'm going to do this or do that. But on average, people usually hurt people who they know. That's why a lot of domestic violence situations are horrible. So... Yeah, it's a lot going on right now. But this is still the greatest country in the world. It's still God's grace and mercy. It's not the country. It's not God. It's us, Bill. We looked in the mirror looking for the enemy, and the enemy is us.
2: Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just lift up our country as we go hear all these things with the uh, mass shootings that have recently happened in the uh, – um, Asian community, and Lord, um, and and now this beating of a young man by five police officers. Um, Lord, we just lift up our country as we go through this divide on people killing each other, and uh, we just ask for your grace and mercy to help those people that have those desires to harm another person, that uh, you step in and uh, help them through that. And surround them with your angels to to stop them and to think of a different way to handle that hatred or dislike. uh, And so that it becomes not one of destruction, but of one of instruction. Amen.
1: Father God, in the words of my, our ancestors, who were once enslaved people, they were not objects. They were humans, God. They were enslaved. They were enslaved. And the prayer was like this. You know what I done yet, God? I ain't got to tell you. So my interpretation, God, to those who doesn't speak Ichi is, Lord, you know why I'm down here on my knees? I do not have to explain it to you. With that, Bill, I say
0: amen amen find bill and odell online at the common ground.show this podcast is a production of bg ad group darren sutherland executive producer doug harding creative director jacob sutherland director producers jason gentarola and matt golden and Jin Ray Zhang, video producer all rights reserved
2: this podcast is brought to you by yes weekly